0: Today, I want to address what Aryeh was asking about earlier this week, the meaning of the tests of Avraham. There seems to be a pattern in the way Hashem tests Avraham, and it doesn't seem to be uh, something that's, that's positive. It seems something that really evokes wonder. Because the pattern of the way Hashem tests Avraham, throughout Avraham's 10 tests, which is really the subject of these two Torah portions, is that Hashem builds him up and promises him things, and then suddenly smashes his dreams to pieces. Hashem blows up Avraham and builds him up. This is what's going to happen. And people ask this question on, on a personal level, you know, why does Hashem disappoint me? I, I just, it just seems that after I started to keep making steps in my life in, in Yiddishkeit and making steps forward, that's specifically when I, uh, I'm getting disappointed by Hashem. It's specifically when I make these steps that I see this, this disappointment. So the question is, why, why does Hashem disappoint Avraham? And why do we feel sometimes Hashem disappoints us? And it's not like that we don't know that Hashem takes care of us in the end. The question is, what's the point of that test, that initial test? What, what is that initial test for? Why does Hashem, throughout the story of Avram, build him up and then push him down? The very first words we read in this week's story portion Hashem tells Avram, Avram, you know what? Don't live where you're living. I have a much better idea for you. I'm going to give you a new space to live. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to be famous. You're going to be rich you have children, come with me. Wow, imagine hearing that from God himself. And then Avram goes to Israel, and boom, it doesn't work. He, he can't live there. He has to go to Egypt. And he goes to Egypt, it's not like there's a parade waiting for Avram in Egypt. He goes to Egypt, and he has to put his wife in a suitcase to get her through customs, and then she's abducted and discovered. It's the same way Avram is... Is tested again, but not just he's tested, it, it's a this, he has sent a direct disappointment after being built up. Then Avram and Sarai are waiting for their blessing for a child, and it seems like God is going to give them this blessing because Sarai has sacrificed her. What no woman would ever do. She says to Avram, Maybe it's because I haven't given the chance to. Um, my maidservant Hagar to uh, have a child and if I bring her in maybe this will bring a blessing for a child for me and instead of working Avram and Sarai remain childless not only that but there's Avram is forced to send away Hagar and not only that but finally, finally, finally Avram and Sarai are, are given the promise of a child being born and the child is born Instead of them being able to celebrate this child, they discover that Yishmael is torturing Yitzchak. Some commentaries say he was torturing him by indoctrinating him, trying to indoctrinate him into into uh, uh, adult uh, to to acting in a um, promiscuous way. Some people say that he was trying to kill him. Uh, It's probably in our in our days, you could a, a parallel for this is the older boy having a smartphone and the younger boy listening to his wise older uh, sibling or friend. It's lethal, So Avram is forced to send away Yeshmoel from the, the boy he loves. Talk about akedas Yitzchak is also akedas Yisrael. Avram loves Yisrael. And God forces him, after waiting so long for a child, to send away his beloved Yishmael from his house. He didn't want to do that. And so again, Hashem builds him up, promises him, He he's given this child Yishmael, and Hashem says, no, send him away. And now Yitzchak, Hashem, at the end of Parshah Svejera, the final test of Avram, the child he's waiting for, for so long, the same thing happens again. Here's a child you waited for, you hoped for, you, you wanted this child, you got this child, okay. Now you have the child, okay. Now, 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 I want you to to, to slaughter him. Okay, Hashem didn't use the word slaughter him, and the Talmud explains that Hashem uh, only told him to offer him on, on the on the uh, altar, but not actually to slaughter him, and that's why Hashem didn't really change his words. But that's definitely the test that Avram was given, that Avram was presented with. Now take this son that you have and slaughter him. That's so the question is why does Hashem disappoint Avraham again and again? Avraham withstands the tests, fine. But what's the point of all these disappointments? What, what does this mean? So, there is a medrash that says the following. Hashem tzak God tests the righteous. And the medrash has three parables to explain the meaning of God's tests for the righteous. First we have Rabbi Yenison. Rabbi Yenison says that when a glassblower makes a jug he doesn't he doesn't check the inferior jugs he knows if he takes a little hammer and taps the inferior jugs they'll shatter what jugs does he check he only checks the jugs which are which are strong second parable was given by rabiosi rabiosi says that in order to make flax you have to really, you have to really uh, work very hard on the flax to to uh, get the the uh, fabric out of the uh, out of the seeds, and you have to comb it with iron combs. and It's a really it looks like, so to speak, that you're hurting the flax, but on the contrary, that's how you make the flax to become the material, the linen that you're trying to produce. That's specifically by, by working so hard on it. Then we have the third parable of Rabbi Eliezer. Eliezer says that he gives a parable of a, of a person who has two cows and he one cow is stronger than the other. And the reason why he use, puts the heavy weight when he's plowing the field on the stronger cow is because a stronger cow can handle it. So these, these are the three parables, but they're not just three different parables. These three parables are three different reasons for tests. By the way, if you put your screens on and could see your handsome faces, it would actually uh, actually make things a lot better. Anyways, so there's three reasons for tests. The first opinion of Rabbi Anderson is not just a random parable. His parable expresses a point. His parable is about the glasses and how you t- you test the glasses that can make it. You don't the, the the glass blower doesn't know which glasses will make it or not, but he does know in general that there's a certain kind of glasses that might make it. And therefore he doesn't tap the glasses which are inferior, he only taps the glasses which are really good. So in a similar way, Hashem doesn't challenge everybody. Hashem challenges those who he thinks can make it. And why does he challenge them? He challenges them to see if they'll make it. Which Rabbi Nisim doesn't like this explanation for tests because he says, Hashem knows what you're going to do. But perhaps Rabbi Yenison just means it's in order for you to know that you can overcome a test. Perhaps the purpose of a test is to expose your inner strength. That's a Nisan. The purpose of the test is to show that this glass can make it, this glass can withstand that hard topic. That's a Nisan's explanation. But then there is the second explanation of Rabbi who says the purpose of the test is not just for you as a person, the purpose is not just to expose what you have inside, but to create something inside. The purpose of the test is like the flax, is to make the best kind of flax. It's not in order to to just test it so that we should know Hashem knows. It's in order to change something inside. And then finally we have Rabbi Lazar who says the purpose of the test is like the example of the field where the heavy weight is put on the cow not for the sake of the cow but for the sake of the field. That means that sometimes you go through a test and that test isn't just meant for you in order for you to have inner strength and Hashem wants to reveal your inner strength, but more, it's something that Hashem is giving you in order to be able for you to overcome a significant challenge to fulfill Hashem's mission for you in this world. Sometimes Hashem sends you a test to build you up so that you'll be able to withstand something later. Rabbi Nachman Sudecal was the Rebbe's emissary to England, the first emissary. And he brought. In England today has over a hundred Chabad shluchim, and England isn't the uh, England isn't isn't the um, how should we say the most jovial place, or the most merry place. Yeah, they have their tea time, but it's not like like you would expect a Chabadnik going over there with uh, his Chabad, you know, na 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 na, to to be so uh, successful. And he had a dinner after 50 years in in London, and he got the highest honor in England you can get it's not just being knighted he got something beyond being knighted whatever he got the the highest honor you can get in the country and all of his uh, supporters and friends and community members all come to this dinner and at the end of the whole dinner they have this little fabrengan and by the fabrengan one of the great to see you by the fabrengan one of the uh, one of the Hasidim the new Chabad rabbis who had joined the ranks more recently asked Rabbi Sudak, tell me What is your secret? How were you able to withstand, he said, the the hard years, the first hard years? The first years are the hardest. How did you withstand those first hard years? So Sudeik said the following. He said, when I was nine years old, I grew up in Tashkent. In Tashkent, there was an underground Chabad school. And every day, I would leave the school at nighttime, when it was still nighttime, and I would come back at nighttime, because... I do not want to get caught. But one day I had to come back during the day, and that was Friday, because I had to come back before Shabbos. So one Friday, I'm walking back from school, carrying a chumash, and I feel, on the way home, I feel a tap on my shoulder. Without looking behind me, I knew immediately who this was. This was a KGB officer, a towering six-foot KGB officer, and he says to Nachman Sudak, he says, what are you carrying? Why aren't you in school? Where are you coming from? So he knows immediately what's going to happen next. He's going to take him to his house. He's going to pressure his parents to tell to tell them where he goes to school. And if they don't tell him, he's going to put them in jail. He knows from his own friends and their parents and what's going on in the, in, the, in the country. He knows exactly where this is headed. So he tells the KGB officer, this is actually a puzzle book. The KGB officer can't read Hebrew, so it's a, it's a puzzle book. You see, it's puzzles. Then he tells the KGB officer, and I'm going to the school, which is a ten vyorst from here. It's at some distance from here. And he knows the KGB officer wouldn't be able to check so easily that school. And I'm just coming from my grandma's house. Okay, fine, you can go. So he starts to go. And he realizes the KGB officer may have said you're free to go, but he's following him. So He starts to run. And he's a little kid. The KGB officer is six feet tall. He's nine years old. And for every three steps he takes, the KGB officer takes one. And he's running. He's out of breath. He's trying to go, but he can't go too far. The KGB officer is catching him. But he realizes what's at stake, and he pushes himself, and he runs. He's out of breath. He pushes himself until he gets to a park. He gets to the park. He manages to hide somewhere in the park. He stays there, and he has all these images of what may happen if he gets caught. He starts, he's full of complete fear, what may happen if if this KGB officer catches him. And he's trembling there, you know, he's, he's really afraid what's going to happen, but he's there for about an hour and a half. After an hour and a half, it suddenly dawns on him that he's actually shaken the KGB officer, and he's free. So he told this new Chabad rabbi who had joined the ranks, how did I survive the first years? He said, after that experience, I woke up on Sunday morning a new man. I went back to school, but I knew that nothing could stop me. Sometimes Hashem sends you a test to summon within you inner strength you don't know about for the purpose of something that you have to contribute to the world. The disappointments that Avram experienced Certainly, a disappointment. Certainly, they hurt, but they actually created something within Avraham. Someone told this to me. I don't know if this is has a source or not, um. But someone told me the following: that the word Avraham has is an acronym. Avram stands for Rabes Machshaves Belav Ish. There are many thoughts in the heart of man. Many people think about lots of different things, and they don't actually happen the way they want to happen. But if you add the letter Hey, letter Hey Navram is about Hashem, Hashem's advice is what happens. We have all kinds of things, we we expect things to happen, we want things to happen, but Hashem has a plan. And that doesn't mean, like another, another um, Svarim talks about how Hashem has to test someone before He sends them a bracha. That's not necessarily true. Uh, Hashem can send the brachas without the tests. But we do no, the Gemara says that there is no creature that Hashem has created that does not experience a test. And although we pray every day, do not bring me to a test, the Friedrich Rebbe says that we're not actually asking not to have the test, we're asking for the next line, and not to a disgrace. Don't bring me to a test that I'm going to fail. Help me pass those tests. Bring me to a test that I'm going to win. And that's the goal of the test in the first place. It's not just for Hashem to know, like the example of the glass, it's in order to bring out Arya's strength. as the word test in Hebrew means. The word test means, the means to uplift. When the Torah introduces the story of the commandment of Hashem to Avram by the Akedah, Hashem, the Torah says, El Kim Avram. God lifted Avram. It was only in order to lift, lift Avram to a whole new level. That's the goal of the test. I want to share with you a letter of the previous Rebbe about this. The Friedrich Rebbe, of course, we know in Friedrich Rebbe's biography, the incredible... Um, challenges Friday could have had. Listen to this, it's unbelievable. Every person has in their lifetime certain set patterns. You there are the days of childhood, Narus, there's a day days of youth, Bachrus, days of of being a uh, a little older than that, a little older than then childhood you're a a, a young man and there are also different kinds of um, talents every person is given some people have average talents some people have luminous and amazing talents The, the besides all of these common staples that we find in every person divine providence Causes certain specific time periods to happen to a person that sometimes change the nature of of a person and they develop their talents. And this time period is the one that is rich, God forbid, with pain for doing what you need to do. To continue to be diligent with alacrity to accomplish whatever you meant to accomplish. And especially, the previous Shabbos says, someone who has to contend with those who pursue him in in order to strengthen his religion and his beliefs. This time period, this time period of difficulty, this time period of challenge, this time period where you're really being pushed down, although it is entangled with pain of body and pain of soul, it is rich in the impression it makes afterwards the strong impression it makes. And these are, the Friedrich Rebbe concludes, the, day, the days of light in a person's life. These are the days of light. That's what the says. What we think are the hardest days, says the Friedrich Rebbe, those are the luminous days. Those are the days that lift you up. As the Rebbe says in many places, it says that lechacham means go to yourself. And the truth is that the very first test of Avram and the last test of Avram are introduced and concluded with the same words. Lach l'cha, go to you. Because the goal of these tests isn't to disappoint and to hurt Avram. The point is lach l'cha for Avram to bring out in himself who he truly is in order for Avram to make the impact in the world that he needs to make. Avram is called Avram a Ivri. Ivri means he's the one-sider. The whole world is on one side, he's on the other. And he has to, everyone's put it this way, it's like the atom bomb. Just like an atom is the most tiniest particle, and yet, when the an- atom bomb, when the atom is in a state of bittul, it's able to impact the entire regions. In a similar way, a person may be very small unto himself, but with bittul, with a person putting himself on the side to do what Hashem wants him to do, he's able to unearth and summon inner strength that he didn't know about himself. It's an incredible story Rabbi Yeshayahu shares about uh, this Sunday morning. This guy, Etan comes to his Chabad center in Belgium. And he wants, says, Rabbi, I want a tikkun. I want a kapara. Why do you want a tikkun? What happened? He says that uh, he's, he's a diamond merchant. And he basically sold his soul to his business. He says, my children don't know me. I don't know, my, I don't know my children. And then one day they said to myself, it's enough. I have to stop this crazy, all day working. And I have to go out and, and I have to... Uh, spend some time at home, so I'm going to keep Shabbos. I started keeping Shabbos, one Shabbos after another. And my friends told me, you're keeping Shabbos now, but this year, December 25th and December 31st are on Shabbos. And we know what's going to happen on those days, on, on January 1st. you're Those are the days that in our business you can't miss. The, those are the days that uh, in the, their, their version of Hill Street over there, the diamond merchant will never find himself absent from from that time. So he says, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the Torah. I promised, and I made a decision." But Shabbos morning, he found himself walking what he thought was to show, but his feet were carrying him towards his business. And he sees he sees the street, he sees his friends, he sees them unpacking their wares, and he sees their smiles, and he sees the Mercedes driving up, and all the business that's happening. You can make more that day, you can a whole year. And he just feels like he has to go to work, so he tells him himself, "Titzki, I felt like I was gonna, I was gonna lose it, so I turned around and I went back home, and I went quickly. Took out a, a bottle of vodka from the freezer and I poured myself a cup of vodka. Yo, mashishi, and I had a cup of vodka and I knocked out, knocked out the whole Shabbos. did go to shul, and I just knocked myself out, so I shouldn't desecrate the Shabbos. So give me a tikkun. I missed." Torah reading, I missed the morning prayers, the evening prayers, I missed it all. I I miss Avtitsky <laughs> He says, I wish I had a Shabbos like yours, Eitan. I grew up in Naibrak in Sharim. I wish in my life I kept Shabbos once like you keep Shabbos. We have everyone has, you know, their things that they that they're good at and the things they're not so good at. And it's not about it's not about doing what you love or doing what you believe in. It's more like when your mind turns off, that's where love begins. When your mind turns off, that's where you have to, in a relationship, a husband and a wife, sometimes they come to a, a crossroads where there doesn't seem any reason to do for the other. You just feel like there's no way out. There's a brick wall. And it's specifically at that time when the true love begins, when, when, there's, a concept, when there's a possibility uh, f- for love. Before that, it's not really, there's no real love there yet. It's only, when there's no way out, and that, that's when a deeper layer in the relationship is exposed, some, something that, that they didn't know they had before. Did I tell you Remendel Futafaz's marriage advice? You get that, Machal No? Oh, it's a to get to hear this. Also, Bishav Titzky, he, um, he, he, he studied with Remendel Futafaz uh, in Par he studied from him, and he was getting married. So he asked Remendel for advice for, for, for getting married. Mendel says to him, you're getting married, you got a ring? He says, yeah, I got a, I'm getting married. He says, show me your ring. So he shows Mendel the ring. Mendel says, what do you see? He says, I see a ring. He says, what else do you see? I see it's round. What else? It's it's gold. Mendel says, you're missing the main thing. main thing is the hole. The main thing is the hole. The, the hole is the main thing you need in marriage. The hole is the, the space you make for your spouse that you accept the way they are, the way their thoughts are, the way their feelings are, and you just push yourself aside to accept who they are. That's the main ingredient you need in a marriage. Futafas, uh gave this guy real, real guidance, and it's very in sync to this idea of lechacha of pushing yourself completely aside and discovering something deeper. Discovering in that, in that analogy of a marriage, the fact that you're two halves of one neshama, you only can discover that when. You have to turn lech go away from what went yesterday, go away from you think, the way you feel, the way you want, and something deeper, deeper comes out. Anyway, that's what I wanted to share today. Any questions or comments? All right, have a great Shabbos, Dr. Breisman. Great Shabbos, Yonatan. great Shabbos, Bchal Mordechai. great Shabbos, Amaya. A great Shabbos, and